Treat yourself like you would a client or any other task in your business. And don't try to multitask when you're supposed to be doing Instagram content creation. Because I think that's what makes us really overwhelmed. This is not your average business podcast, because here we are going to discuss how you hit your goals without losing yourself, your values, or your relationships along the way. We believe in the whole person versus the long-term hustle approach and demonstrating to our children what living a life full of purpose is truly about. We're here for the woman who is an aspiring entrepreneur, developing her personal brand, and staying open to the opportunities that come before her. We're here for the woman yearning to find businesses that align with her, her core being, so she can feel in alignment with her life. Come on this journey with us as we navigate this very full season and pursue a life we love. Are you feeling stuck? Are you searching for a greater purpose? Are you craving connection? Perfect. You are in the right place and we're excited to get you one step further than you are today. I am so excited to introduce you to Natasha Samuel, who is the founder of Shine with Natasha. She's a social media manager turned Instagram educator, speaker, podcaster, mentor, and coach. And we first met because she was a coach in a company that I used to run, and I got to know her strategies very well. And I just fell in love with her and the way that she teaches. She is the host of the Shine Online podcast and an Instagram strategist and helps small businesses shine online through intensive strategy days, digital resources, and education. Natasha helps you build your brand on the gram with video strategy that is fulfilling and fun without the overwhelm. Today, we're going to be diving into the topic of video, which is definitely a trending topic. It's a topic that our audience has asked us for support on, and they're really excited to learn this. And I know so many other people are just very curious about how to show up with video and all the strategies behind that. So first of all, I just want to welcome you. And can you share a bit about yourself and how you became an Instagram and video expert? Thank you so much for having me. That was such an incredible introduction. Yeah. And it really started when I was in college and I was doing public relations. I was doing online journalism and I really fell in love with storytelling. And that later inspired me to start my own business. One of the women that I interned with, she had a digital marketing business, which I had never heard of. She worked online, which I had also never heard of. And she really planted the seed that I could kind of take my skills and interests and help online business owners with my own business. So I started my social media management business in college and I quickly realized that I really loved Instagram specifically and also realized what you mentioned of people really struggling with video specifically. So that quickly became my specialty and and I've been doing that ever since. I love what you said there, Natasha, about she planted the seed in your mind, because I know today the three of us are going to try to do that for other people and open up this video side of the platform. So I'm sure just like you, I always follow trends on various social media platforms. And I think we can all remember in 2020 when TikTok started to really go on the rise. Shortly after that, we saw the CEO of Instagram come out and say that they were going to be putting a lot of attention on video on their platform. So from an expert, I want to know, why do you think video is such a powerful tool for business, especially for personal brands? 
Absolutely. And I think it started almost with like the Vine Snapchat days, like way, way before 2020. I can remember when stories came to Instagram, myself, probably along with everyone else hearing, they probably were like, stories, what is this? I just want to post my square photos. And there was a Mm -hmm. lot of resistance around it. But Obviously, we've seen that stories have become a really big part of how we show up on Instagram and how we grow our brands. I know it's one of the most profitable channels on Instagram for myself. And so I feel like that's where my interest kind of sparked. And then we had IGTV, which never quite took off, but it really showed the power of video for telling stories and adding a lot of value. So when I'm in lockdown, like everyone else, and I see TikTok booming, My reaction was to go on TikTok and use it as research. And I started just scrolling, getting to know the app, getting to know this short form video that is different than stories and also different than long form video content like YouTube, formerly IGTV. And so I started just kind of getting the hang of these trends. I wasn't creating, by the way, I was strictly consuming content and really getting to know that algorithm with the idea that if Instagram ripped off Snapchat, they would probably try to do the same thing with TikTok. And that's when, of course, we got Reels. And Instagram really showed us very clearly that they wanted to embrace video. So for me, being in the Instagram space, it wasn't necessarily surprising because I think it started way before TikTok really blew up. I feel like Video is so dynamic and how you're able to use audio and visuals and really tell a story for your brand that a static photo or graphic or caption can only do to a certain extent. So I was definitely excited to embrace it and felt like there was just so many opportunities for myself and also the business owners that I support. You know, Natasha, now that you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. I remember going on that journey because I started my Instagram account, I think in 2016. So I've been around for a while. And I remember when stories came out and everyone was like, why is Instagram trying to be Snapchat? And I think that we're hearing the same thing right now. Like, why is Instagram trying to be TikTok? But if history repeats itself, like they know what they're doing and they are very strategic in how they use features from other apps. Absolutely. And it's interesting because TikTok recently said that they're actually increasing the length of their videos. So you can post long form videos on TikTok now, which means they're kind of looking towards YouTube. So I think we often like point the finger at Instagram and think it's like the big bad wolf of all the social media platforms when it simply is how marketing evolves is the same way these social media platforms evolve. So I definitely think Instagram is just looking at what people are consuming the most of, what is really trending, what is really connecting with users. And they're really giving us the opportunity to leverage that on the Instagram app. Yes. And I love what you shared earlier, where you said you were getting on TikTok to use it for research, because I've noticed that when people, it's time to shift and they start their business, it's like they go from being a consumer to a creator. And so you start looking at the apps like from a different lens. And it really seems like video, it's a non-negotiable on Instagram right now, if you truly want to utilize the platform and all of its features. And it really behooves you to get on the trend and start embracing it. And this is where a lot of 
of people stop. Like they know they should be trying video, but there are a lot of blocks when it comes to actually showing your face. I mean, I was behind the scenes in a business for many years. So stepping into a personal brand business as a face, it was so new to me. And I had to get comfortable fast if I wanted to help this company grow. But I definitely had a lot of resistance at first internally. So can you share some tips for that person who knows in their heart that there is this resistance because there is a fear of being seen? Because even if we move forward with this interview and you give the best pieces of strategy, if they are letting fear hold them back, even your best advice won't work. So what would you say to that person? Absolutely. And I think that acknowledging that it's okay and very human to feel those things is the first way to go about this conversation. I was going back into my story archives way back to when I posted my first story for my brand. And you could literally see the camera like shaking with me holding (laughs) it. It was way too close to my face. And I think it really is such a great example of how even someone who lives and breathes video now, I started somewhere. And I think that's the most important thing to really think of is figure out where your starting point is and just learn that you have to practice your skills, talking to your phone, editing video content, putting together outlines on what you want your video content to be about, using video strategically to help your brand, using the different features. All of those are simply skill sets. And you don't have to have a prerequisite to really build those skill sets. So I think that's one side of it is like, you just have to take action. You have to take messy action. You have to practice and you have to embrace the growth. I think the other side of it is really getting to the root of what is bringing up the mindset ickies, I guess you could call them. What I often see for a lot of my clients is maybe they come from a corporate background where they think they have to look, sound, act a certain way to be perceived as professional, to be liked, to be respected. And so I find that we harbor whatever those experiences are. Maybe you weren't in corporate. I know for me, I started my business really young. So what held me back for so long was I'm too young. I'm inexperienced. What's the point of me showing up? No one wants to hear from me. So I think we all have that story of why we think we shouldn't be showing up. And really like sitting down and figuring out why it's not true, right? Okay, you think you need to show up really professionally. You have to have makeup. You have to be this age, this size, whatever it is. Go on Instagram and you'll probably see you don't need to look, sound, or act that way. Or if you feel like you're maybe inexperienced or you don't have anything helpful, maybe sit down and figure out where have you helped your clients and your customers already? What are previous experiences that show you that you do have something to offer on the app? So I think like really getting to the root core of why we're feeling really uncomfortable to show up on video can kind of give us that reassurance like, okay, I can do this. I can get a little uncomfortable knowing I need to practice that muscle and knowing that no matter what mindset ickies come up as I'm showing up on video, it is worth pushing past to see the results I want to see in my business. And even deeper and even bigger is to impact people positively because you posting that story, that reel going live, it could quite literally change their their life or their business. Uh, Natasha, that was such a good answer. 
when you were talking about fear, it reminded me I was rock climbing this past week with my almost six-year-old and he's like, mom, I'm scared. And I was like, it's totally normal to be scared, you know, and he pushed through that. So it's like, sometimes when we try to pretend that we're so confident and not scared, it's like, no, it's okay to be scared and we can push through this and start to really practice. The other thing about beginners that probably all of us find is that sometimes something that comes so intuitive to us now is something we didn't think about previously. So I'll often give people very simple tips, like the idea of just when Kat was new to showing her face, I'd be like, just wipe off your camera before you go on because I can see it's like smudgy as hell. You know, she's like, your fingerprint is over your face right now. (laughs) Or, and we're still working on this with Kat is like, she wasn't finding her best natural light. And I'm like, just instead of facing, like, instead of the light being at your back, just face it, you know? So I wanted to know what are three really tangible beginner tips that you would give our audience that would enhance the quality of their video? That is amazing. I love all those tips. I think that lighting is such an easy way to enhance your video quality. One of my best tips is to outline your video content. I always say outline any type of content, but outlining is really your roadmap. It can be as nitty gritty as a script, or it can just be the main points, the bullet points to kind of guide you in creating video content. Because I find that beginners struggle with video is because we open up our phone we open up the camera, we're looking straight at ourselves and we have to generate ideas while we are creating the content. So I think separating the idea generation and the outlining of your video, and then just being able to like focus on saying it or showing up or whatever the video content creation looks like, I find can really not only make for better video, but you're going to feel a lot more confident and be a lot more concise in what you're saying. A talking point that I want to touch on another tip specifically for lives, because I know those have like the most scariest for a lot of people is don't watch how many people are coming. So that's the first thing. Don't watch how many people are coming and also don't get caught up on any mistakes that you make. There's a lot of ways to work through mistakes that you have. Of course, when you're editing a reel or any type of video content, you can sometimes edit that out, right? But when you're live, it's completely unedited, which is what makes it so intimidating. And so what I like to do is maybe have something you go towards when you feel like you're losing your train of thought or you're starting to forget something. This could be to pause because often a pause for us feels like forever and it might just be like a second for our audience. Or it could be to kind of joke about it, you know, really shrug it off, whatever that word or kind of go-to thing, you know, you can lean on if you mess up, I find really helps you just feel like you have that little bit of security while you're actually creating your content. And the final thing that I want to recommend is kind of related to audio. 
So this kind of depends on what type of video content you're creating and like how the audio plays a role. But ideally, you want to make sure you're in a room that is smaller and it is furnished. It has maybe a rug. It has things on the wall. It's not like completely empty and really big and spacious because that's going to make your audio just bounce off the walls like crazy. And it's definitely going to affect the audio quality, especially if maybe you're going live with someone else. There's going to be extra, extra echo. Another example of this is when you're doing voiceovers for a reel, for example. I love to use my handy dandy, regular schmegular iPhone headphones. <laughs> and that mic is really great for voiceovers. And it'll make it sound so much better versus you just talking into your phone. So hopefully those are some like really actionable tips people can apply to their video content. Those are so helpful. I love the one that you said about creating the outline for video content because that was something that Amy was telling me when she was coaching me as we started this brand together because being in front of the camera was new to me. And she's like, Kat, you need to say something in less than like three screens or whatever. And so that I wouldn't like ramble on and it would be like 10 little tabs at the top of Instagram where people are just going to like fast forward because you're not being concise. And I found that creating those outlines helps me be so much more concise with my thoughts. Thoughts. And so I want to also dive deep into the trending video topic on Instagram, which is reels. And I proudly made my first reel this year and it legit took me an entire day. <laughs> so for all those people, I know some people have gotten feedback. They're like, thank you for sharing that. It took you a whole day because I have been in that same place and it really did. And now I think they're so fun and I've seen how powerful they can be. And they're really fun because they combine the video and the audio that you talked about. So let's say that I want to create a reel. How do I go about finding those best audio options that the app's going to favor? Have you noticed it's like original audio or trending audios or what's like quote unquote best? Yes. Really great question. So one place to go to kind of stay ahead of the trends is TikTok. It's still one of my best places to do research because as of now, a lot of the things that start on TikTok will go over to Reels. That might shift later on where there's a lot more original things happening on Reels, but that's always my first place to go, especially if I'm wanting to batch trends because that is a little bit harder to do because if you batch a bunch of trending Reels, what's trending now in a week will no longer be trending. So I kind of like to use TikTok for that. But directly on the Instagram app, there's actually a really easy way to see what specifically is trending on Reels. So if you open up your Reels tab right now and you start scrolling through Reels content, you'll see the audio at the bottom and maybe it'll be an original audio or it'll be a specific Instagram song. And if you look, you will see an upward trending arrow on the videos that have those trending audios. So it's a really great way that Instagram is telling you that this is up and coming, it's trending. And then I love to save and use those as soon as possible in my content. So that's really the best way to find what is really trending on Instagram at that time. Do you have a suggestion for how many times it's been used? So we've heard other teachers say if it's been used like 5,000 to 10,000 times, that's like the perfect time to use it versus if it's been used like 150,000 times, it's probably getting kind of old, maybe like an avocado. Is there like a perfect time to use the trend? <laughs> Yeah, I love that question. And I definitely think that range is a really great best practice, but 
I really tune into what Instagram is telling us in terms of what is trending. If I see that upward arrow, I will almost always use it because of just how the Instagram Reels algorithm works. If an audio is trending and perhaps someone is looking at it, watching a reel too long, you will see that same audio continue to go up. So even if it's saturated, I think you can still see results, but you definitely want to get them when they are in that blossoming stage around that 5,000 mark. Okay. So don't overcomplicate it. If there's that arrow, jump on and go ahead and use it if it makes sense. Okay. So we have been using reels and trending audios inside of our business. One conversation that we wanted to have with you is around growth. So we find that in our business, when we talk about working motherhood or the motherhood part of being a business owner, that goes really, really well for us. But if we give a really tangible business tip, it usually doesn't go quite as well. However, for us and what we're trying to build here, we definitely want to keep giving those tangible online business tips because that's the audience that we're trying to reach. Now, I want to know, are you from the school of thought that like any growth is good growth? Or are you really trying to find people that would really serve your business? That's such a great question. I think with Reels, it's made growth so much easier where it's hard to decipher what is that good, really intentional strategic growth. So my goal is always reaching the right people because you can have an audience of tons and tons of people, but if they aren't your ideal follower, they aren't the ideal person you're wanting to serve, it really isn't going to be beneficial in the long run. In fact, they might never engage with your content again, which will actually make all of your content just not perform as well overall. So I think with kind of what you mentioned is you kind of with those certain types of reels, you're getting really specific. And I think that's definitely my tip that I want to recommend for people when creating those reels for growth specifically is think about who you're trying to get in front of and really creating for that specific person. Because I feel like a lot of things like even my own industry, Instagram tips, business tips, marketing tips, there's so many ways that we can go about really communicating that. So really thinking about how your ideal follower is consuming on Reels content. And sometimes you can tell by going to other people that are creating Reels within your shoulder industries. It could be going to your Reels insights. It could be just asking people, hey, what type of Reels content are you really enjoying? And then you can really lean into that. But I also want to challenge this growth conversation. Sometimes people might already have a community that just needs nurturing. I feel like with Reels, it's really made growth a little bit more accessible, which I think is fantastic, especially if you're a newer account, a newer brand. Absolutely. But I think for a lot of us, we might have been using you know, Instagram for a while. And sometimes we just need to use Reels in a way that actually is just nurturing our internal people. And it still will get more reach than other pieces of content. It might not get as much reach as trending content. But I find for me, those types of Reels really 
really connect a lot deeper with my community and in turn attracts more of the right people when it does result in more of that reach in front of non-followers. So this type of reel, I like to call show and tell reels. So essentially you're either showing or telling something in your reels content that has nothing to do with a lip sync, a trend, music, or anything along the lines of that. So it really kind of gives you the freedom of just making reels short form video and it not having to be a reel. And you can quite literally apply this to any industry. Maybe it's showing recipes if you have a product business. Or for me, I love showing tutorials or actually talking to camera through concepts. That's my favorite way to create reels. And one of the types of reels that people always just say they really enjoy because it's kind of just a little bit different than what people are seeing. So that is definitely a little bit of a long answer, but hopefully that kind of gave some insights on how to grow, but also if your goal isn't growth right now, some other options for you. I love that distinction of like growth first nurture. My husband and I always talk about this. Like it's like America. It's it's like what we value. And like, if you go to Forbes, they have like fastest growing companies and they're all about growth. But it's like, what about the companies that have maintained and have the happiest workers and have just maintained baseline because they've nurtured their customers so well. And I just feel like that's not put up on a pedestal as much as growth, but it is so, so valuable and equally part of the equation. So I love that you made that distinction. And we've been talking so much about, and I love this stuff, like the nerdy stuff where we're putting our scientist hat on, which brings me to my next question about metrics. So when you're on Instagram, how do you know if like your efforts are actually leading to sales? Like what types of metrics are you supposed to be looking at on your account? Definitely. So I personally think the insights within Instagram are so incredibly powerful. So when you go to the insights tab, I love to look at engaged and also my reach. So reach is really going to tell me how much I'm growing, how much I'm reaching new followers and what type of content is resulting in that reach. For me, it is really clear that reels, but also secondarily actually feed content like carousels are my top reaching growth content, which is really valuable for me to see. And then I like to look at engagement. So what type of content is engaging? Is it the visual? Is it how I wrote the caption? Is it the topic? Is it the time of day? And I really like to look at everything in a really holistic view. I'm not looking for certain numbers. I'm really looking at everything from a whole. Like even with Reels, for example, you could have tens of thousands of views, but if I'm only getting five comments, that's not making me feel really great about that content. That means it reached a lot of people. People weren't incentivized to stay a little bit longer. So those are kind of the metrics that I like to look on and more specifically on pieces of content. On stories specifically, I love to look at replies. I love to look at interactions on poll stickers. So compared to how many people total are seeing my stories for the day, how many of those people are actively engaging on question stickers, on poll stickers? I love using those to boost engagement on stories. So those types of engagement and also link clicks. Since now we have access to this links sticker. I like to look at how many people are actually going off of Instagram with those calls to action that I'm sharing and how many people are also just like DMing me and commenting. I feel like that's something that is a little less measurable of getting people saying, wow, this was absolutely the perfect piece of content I needed, or I am interested in working with you, or I love your podcast. I binged everything. Like 
those types of little social proof nuggets of the warmest people in your community are also non-measurable, but really impactful to look at depending on what you're creating in your content. And more specifically on just your feed content, I love to look at saves, shares, comments, and what that looks like in ratio to things like likes, my overall reach on that post, and also views. So not every post I'm trying to get a ton of saves and a ton of shares and comments, but I like to figure out, is this piece more conversational? Is this piece really something that people would want to share with their community? So I'm kind of focusing on what my goal with that content is and if that metric was reflected in those insights. So I like to kind of check in every week, every month. And when I'm doing more bigger content planning sessions, maybe for a launch or a campaign or just refreshing my ideas, I kind of look at everything a lot more holistically. I loved that answer because I'm the same way. It's like metrics are there. You should use them. None of us would say live and die by your metrics, but just see what's working, see what's maybe not working, see what your audience wants more of, see what they might want less of. And it's not all about likes and comments. There's other metrics that really show you how things are doing too. You know, sometimes if I share something about mom guilt, that can be a topic where people aren't going to outwardly maybe comment, but I see how many saves or sends it has. And it's like, no, that really did speak to them, just not in like an outward appearing way. Okay. We get this question all the time. So I am deferring to you. I'm excited to hear your answer. Are hashtags still alive? Are they still relevant? Are they important? How should we use them? Do we put them in the comments? Should we do 30? Should we do 100? What's happening, Natasha, with hashtags? Oh my gosh. Hashtags. Yeah. They have always been a hot topic on Instagram, but I feel like Now more than ever, I think specifically because there's been a lot of mixed messages from Instagram on this. They first said, try to do three to eight hashtags before they said, use all 30 hashtags. And then they also recently said, hashtags don't affect your reach specifically on reels. So that's the most specific news we have on hashtags right now. And my personal philosophy, and this is coming from someone who hashtag strategy was the first thing I would do for social media management clients a few years back. But my approach is that hashtags just aren't as important on Instagram as they used to be. They won't hurt your account. They won't necessarily help it a ton. What it does help Instagram do is categorize your content. But the Instagram algorithm, we all know, has gotten just smarter and smarter. It knows the keywords that's in your content. It looks at the visuals. There's robots involved. There's humans involved. So Instagram doesn't really need our hashtags to tell us what the content is. But what that tells me is if you are going to experiment, test it out, see if it works well for your industry and niche, I recommend having really specific hashtags to what your content is actually about. I don't think you can put too many if they really are focused, but you'll probably find you'll have a little bit less if you really focus that way. But transparently for me, I haven't used hashtags since Reels came out because I was kind of looking at my Reels, like I mentioned, looking at my insights, looking and seeing what performed. And I overall noticed my Reels that actually performed the best didn't have any hashtags. So I was like, what? what? If I, yeah, so wild. Uh, so I just stopped using them. 
and my account did not falter. It was totally fine. And now I just don't have to even think about them. So I think there's definitely a lot of ways that you would use hashtags if you're working with brands, if maybe it's very location specific, like I said, experimenting for your own industry, but I haven't used them in, I guess, one and a half years now, and I'm doing just fine. (laughs) <laughs> it's been a hashtag roller coaster with hashtags because yes. I feel like it's been all <laughs> over the place. But what I noticed is I started seeing more hashtags in my in-feed when I was scrolling. And a lot of hashtags aren't even used in the right way. Like people are just using them to try to grow. So I unfollowed a bunch of the hashtags I was following because I was like, this isn't even like what it's supposed to be. So I feel like we didn't use them right. And now they've lost their power. And there's just so many other ways to grow on Instagram, right? I think that there's the Instagram app has just gotten so much more sophisticated. So it's not that it will hurt your account, but it's just not as important as it used to be. And it makes sense. I'm like, it's so sophisticated now. Like they know what we're thinking before we even like look for things now that it's like, they don't need a hashtag to categorize like where my brain is at. They are on it with their artificial intelligence. (laughs) (laughs) But something that I was so excited to talk to you specifically about, because I know that you really live and breathe this and you teach this inside of your mastermind program is creating a content calendar and strategies that really feel sustainable and are going to serve your business. So I would just love to hear behind the scenes, like how do you create content in your business so that it feels fun, light, and easy? And do you try to create content where you're using all the different features of the app, like in feed, reels, lives, like every single week? I just want to know like behind the scenes, what does that look like? Yes. I love that question. So on the back end, there's two things that I really like to establish. The first being content pillars. It's a concept that's often taught in a lot of different ways. I personally like to think of it as five very specific categories that are going to help you connect with your ideal follower specifically and create a cohesive brand on Instagram. So if I just talked about Instagram all the time, I would be boring. People would not want to follow me. So that is why in my content pillars, I have Instagram strategy. Yes, that's very important. But I also have other things that I know my ideal followers would be interested in. Maybe it's something related to a shoulder industry. Like I talk a lot about other types of marketing channels. I talk about running and scaling a business, what that looks like, creating digital products. Those are all things that are relevant to my ideal follower. And I also talk about mental health as an entrepreneur. I share my morning beverage of matcha. Those are all little connection points that makes me a brand that helps me stand out on the app, helps me easily create that content calendar each month. Because I think we often are just posting content that we think of without really knowing what we should be posting about. So I kind of use those content pillars as like my roadmap on these are the types of ideas I want to be posting really consistently. And then I think it's really important to figure out how often you want to post. And one of my most annoying answers I will ever give is that I'm not going to tell you what that perfect number is. I don't think there is a perfect number, but I'm definitely here to give you that permission slip that you don't need to post multiple times a day, seven days a week to see results on Instagram if you can't sustain it. Because Instagram, every social media platform really values consistency over everything else. And just marketing in general, the more consistently you're connecting with your community, the better results you're going to see from your strategy. And you're really going to be able to build that deep trust. So 
put a number on how much content you need to create. Cause I think we often sit down to batch content and we don't actually know, do you need 12 pieces of content a month? Do you need 50? And so that is what's really helpful for me. So figuring out what that number is, I aim to do at least four pieces of content a week, sometimes five, if I'm feeling ambitious and creating something on the fly. And then I just love to do batching sessions. So this year I actually implemented a content day so I work on all of the different content in my business, my marketing tasks, all on Tuesdays. So last Tuesday, I cranked out like a ton, way too many reels. <laughs> and so I cranked out those reels. Wait, like how many? Them. Like 10 or it, more? At least 10. At least 10. It was like, it was all of my April content and all of my launch content. So it was a lot of okay. reels. <laughs> You're, can, can you work for us? We need you. <laughs> I will also preface that is why I, I stray away from saying numbers because I never want you to yeah. feel like you have to be a content machine like me. It sometimes takes me five minutes to create a reel because I'm just, I practice, right? I, I yes. practice that muscle. So it's become a lot easier for me. But yeah, so last week, that was my only thing I was focusing on, which is also my tip for people is treat yourself like you would a client or any other task in your business. And don't try to multitask when you're supposed to be doing Instagram content creation. Cause I think that's what makes us really overwhelmed. So I go in with my content pillars. I know how often I'm posting each week, what that number is, how much content I need. And then I like to set aside little sessions to batch my content. And then I like to automate and schedule it. So Planoly, Later, Buffer are all my favorite schedulers to recommend. And they have a lot of different options of scheduling carousels, scheduling reels. So you can really automate and put your content in there to finalize. And that's how I like to batch. I think my only tip that I would recommend when people are hearing my own batching and content creation workflow is knowing that it's really important to understand how you batch the best. Because a lot of people feel really great when they create a month's worth of content but other people might feel like it's a little overwhelming and daunting and just never do it. I think that it's like one of my clients that I'm thinking of, she really does well of just creating one week of content at a time. And that works well for her. And I think that can hopefully inspire other people that you can kind of use those steps that I shared, but just put your own spin on it on how often you want to do it. And I love how you shared, don't just post to post and like creating a plan that feels sustainable for you because like people are going to know energetically if you're showing up on a Saturday when you really just want to be with your family or whatever that is, if you feel like a little salty or resentful that you have to like show up or feel that you have to. And when it doesn't have to be that way. And for someone, it might feel great to show up on that Saturday for you. Maybe it doesn't. And so I love that you can create a plan that feels great for you, whether it's creating a month's worth of content ahead of time or a week's worth. And so down to like some more tangible tips too, are there any pieces of equipment or apps that you think people should utilize if they want to step up their reels game? Yes. I love that question. I've tested every app under the moon and I think InShot and consecutively I've heard people agree that InShot is one of the best video editing apps 
has every feature you could ever want. I edit most of my reels in it and it has a free plan. It's available on iOS and Android. So InShot is my go-to for my more advanced video editing, but you also can do really simple edits. I love Canva. I think it's a great option if you're wanting to do cover photos, depending on your style with your reels covers. And then I love to have something I put my phone on when I'm actually creating my reels. So it can be a tripod. I occasionally use my tripod, but what I actually use the most is a phone stand. So it's just a really small phone stand that I have on my desk. I'm literally staring at it right now. It's like my binky. I carry it everywhere with me, literally across my house. Um, (laughs) And I find that it's really easy because I could just like prop my phone up it, press play, and it's a little less fussy for me than a tripod. So yeah, that's my really simple tools. I I like to keep it simple because I think it makes it a lot more actionable to actually produce those reels. And I'll say that InShot is cat friendly as somebody who's new to reels. (laughs) I downloaded it. I've edited some and it's really fun, easy. I actually found it more intuitive than Instagram's native like editing features. So again, cat friendly on that one. (laughs) I will say too, I have felt like the real feature has only improved and improved and improved. When we first started reels, it was like, it was not intuitive. It was not easy to use, but they're also really improving. If you want to just stay in the app. Like that's also a low barrier option for you. Definitely. I completely agree. They actually just added in a new update where you can like rearrange your clips, you can trim them, you can see them out of whole. So I do think the reels editor is a really helpful tool as well. Whatever tool you use is the best tool for you. Exactly. Okay. I wanted to go back to talking about video in a way of how people are showing up. So one piece of feedback that I often get is people like how authentic I am. I show a lot of real life behind the scenes, like, you know, a struggle in my marriage, how crazy I look disheveled and windblown after I get my kids out of the door for daycare because it's such a crazy time of the day. I share all the things. But Natasha, this comes very naturally to me. Like I've always been a storyteller. I love like a dramatic line or a dramatic pause. (laughs) But for other people, they feel like, Amy, I don't even know how to show up in a way that's authentic to me. How would you coach that person? Yes. I feel like it actually will go back to that content pillar concept that I shared because I feel like that concept really helps you figure out you're not just talking about your expertise, but what I like to call connection points. So really getting to know who that ideal follower is and how are you connecting with them? Is it those relatable moments? Is it your story? Is it you just knowing their problem really well? Maybe you've experienced their unique problem yourself. And I feel like when we sit down and think of content as how can we connect and have those moments... And maybe it means sitting down and looking at people that this is an exercise I'd love to have my clients do where you sit down and think of people that you really love connecting with on Instagram. They could be completely unrelated to your industry or your ideal followers. And just ask yourself why. Why do you like to follow them? What type of content makes you feel like you know them and that you're really connecting and creating that relationship So that's really what I like to do. And I find that when we think of content that way, we really are going to build a lot more engagement with our community. 
And I also just like to listen. I like to listen to what my clients are saying, what my customers are saying. I like to really listen to what's happening in my industry. I obviously have done Instagram for so long, so I don't feel a lot of the same frustrations or struggles that maybe I did when I first started out or maybe what a lot of other people struggle with. So I'm constantly listening on what are people struggling with right now? Okay, you're overwhelmed with tips or you're overwhelmed with this. And and I'm looking at my comments and my DMs. And even when my DMs weren't so crazy, when people said they liked content, I'd ask them, oh, why did you find it helpful? Like, would there be something else you want me to touch on? So I think those two elements have really been helpful for me to create more relatable and authentic content in a way that feels a lot more natural. And the only other layer I'll add there is really just think about what do you want to share? Like just having more fun on the app. I think we sometimes take it too seriously and think we have to be posting certain things and that we're boring and that this is irrelevant. But when we choose those specific more fun things that we want to share, people feel that energy and it creates that connection. I'm thinking of one of my friends. Her name is Jara Bean on Instagram. And I don't even know where it came from. She does this all the time, but she started talking about cheese and crackers. Like her new year's resolution was to eat more cheese and crackers. And she, every day showed her eating her cheese and crackers. And it all stemmed from her saying, I'm really overwhelmed in January with everyone saying I need a new year's resolution. So my new year's resolution is that I'm going to eat more cheese and crackers. And that connected with her audience because she was having fun with it because she really thought about what she wanted to do, which was eating cheese and crackers. And she really thought about her own deep feelings and, and other struggles people were having. So hopefully that kind of inspired some ideas for people listening. Yes. I loved that. And I think too, Sometimes we think of these connection points as like these huge things. But one of my storylines is I always lose my AirPods. And I cannot (laughs) tell you the amount of people that message me when they lose their AirPods because it's like, it's just this little connection point. It's funny. Like it doesn't have to be these big things. And especially like you said, I think in stories, like people are connecting to people. So it doesn't have to be so buckled up and like, you know, a huge speech. It can just be like funny things that people will connect to and relate to. Absolutely. And I feel like that is really powerful because people can kind of know that there's like a routine. There's something comforting that they can know to expect from you that just humanizes your brand. And it really does help you stand out and it differentiates you from the other person that's doing exactly what you're doing because we all have competitors in the industry. And that's really what we can do to add more personality to our brands and and just have more fun creating as well. So true. And we're all about action in our business too. And I feel like I have a million tips that I want to try based on this interview. But if you were to leave our listeners with one action item where they can start getting comfortable in utilizing video inside of Instagram this week, what would that tip be? Absolutely. I would sit down and kind of do that exercise we just mentioned of just like listening 
seeing what people need, seeing what people want, looking at your insights, maybe. So maybe looking at what has performed well and use that to inspire you to create a whole new piece of video content. Maybe it's posting a talking to camera stories. Maybe it's posting your first reel. Maybe it's posting your first show and tell reel that I mentioned. Maybe it's going live, whatever that is for you. That feels like you're stretching a little, you're pushing yourself a little, you're, you're, you're making a new muscle, you're practicing. That's what I definitely encourage you to do. And then just do it again and again. And hopefully the tips that I shared will just help you stick with it and and have a lot of fun on the Instagram app. Uh, You shared such good tips with us. Natasha, I want to thank you again for being here. You are a wealth of knowledge. I know that I am going to binge your podcast. Please tell us and our listeners the best way that they can find and connect with you. Absolutely. This was so fun. You can find me on Instagram at shine with Natasha. And then the shine online podcast is where I talk about Instagram and business marketing things. And I also have a new YouTube channel where I actually have a really in-depth tutorial on how to do lives and reels. So that could be a really helpful resource. And that's at shine with Natasha as well. And then kind of related back to my whole content planning process, I love repurposing content to save time. And I actually share my three steps on how I repurpose my content in a free video resource at shinewithnatasha.com slash video. Okay, perfect. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we would love if you shared it on Instagram, tagging at pursuing her purpose and at shine with Natasha. 